0: Morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. It's a matter of raid too close to the front. (laughs) Had to get back. Okay, I get it. I understand. I had a pastor one time calls this the spit zone. Is up front, so I understand. Wow, pretty exciting. Welcome everybody. Um, Announcement today, of course, of. Um, Jessalyn and Caleb Garcia joining in our team as our uh, new youth leaders we already have a good kids program and that's been uh, strengthened by your volunteering for that so make sure that you continue to get involved in that but uh, this new chapter for this age group I'm really excited about we need to be taking care of our kids right and um, these two will love on your kids if you have Uh, grade 7 through 12 kids, uh, they will take really good care with them. They love the Lord, they love the Word, and uh, they will help uh, you raise those kids in the Lord, so I'm excited about that. Um, This series, we've been looking at the body of Christ, right? That's how we started last week. Uh, More specifically, I would mention that we're looking at the bones, right? Because we were saying that Bones are the kind of like what holds all the vitals and the flesh together and kind of gives us a good, strong body in our own bodies. But uh, in the body of Christ, that's why we're looking at some of these key uh, structural things that need to make us healthy here, uh, not just locally, but globally, right, as a church. Uh, the whole body of Christ needs that. So um, in our first look, Uh, We looked at a high view of God, and that was crucial. We started with that because if we don't have a high view of God, and we don't see him as high and lifted up, sitting on his throne, all the other stuff we do is going to be a wash. We're not going to be able to look at the other um, parts of the skeleton or the bones uh, if we don't have a high view of God. So that's why we started that. Uh, today we're going to look at, uh, I like looking at it through the x-ray machine kind of thought. Uh, we're going to kind of take a look at the next set of bones. And um, it's, it'll be about the importance for us as a church body to really see or believe in the absolute, and I say absolute authority of uh, scripture, of the Bible. It's important, right? Right. If we don't believe that this thing has any authority in our lives, that we will really, really struggle in this life if we don't believe that. So that's part of what we're going to be doing today, the main uh, focus of that. So do you, is my question, to kind of take a little examination, do you believe in the absolute authority of Scripture? And when I say Scripture, I'm talking about the Bible, But don't answer out loud. Just kind of keep the answer to yourself. I'm hoping you do, and I believe that if I was to go around and poll you individually, uh, most of you would say, I certainly do believe. I I believe that we would say that. However, as I thought about this idea this week of the church, and, um, you know, I thought about a a, a physical checkup. In other words, uh, because we're talking about the body and and looking inside and getting x-rays and all that kind of stuff, I started thinking about my own experiences at the doctor's office. So I kind of ran through my head some thoughts, and unfortunately you're going to have to receive those thoughts. Most of us have probably had a physical at one time in our life, right? We we go in for one reason or another. Usually I'm at this age, you know, they're getting a little more frequent for me, but for the most part, they're those yearly physicals that you go in just to make sure everything's all good uh, they usually start by when you walk in they check your current height and weight i don't know if that's how your doctor does it, but that's how mine does it. they walk in and that's really the first thing the nurse has got this chart thing in her hand and she walks you over to the scale and you stand onto there and you try not to look at it and then she writes it down and then she takes you in the office and then she asks you a A few other things. She checks your vital signs to make sure, you know, heart's pumping, pulse is good. He looks at your mouth and ears, listens to your heart and your lungs. And then finally, after two more hours, the doctor finally comes in, right? It seems like that some days, I don't know. Uh, He looks at your chart and all the data he collects, and then he asks you some questions. So my doctor says the same thing every time. So, So tell me, how's your health? and so for me i always say i'm doing pretty good feeling pretty good all right i don't know how what your answer is but that's my typical answer then he proceeds to ask a series of questions he says have you been getting enough exercise and you know then i go you know and it's really cool my doctor's a christian he knows i'm a christian so it's like i can't even lie at this (laughs) stuff you know he says he says to me, So have you been getting enough exor- exercise? And I, said, well, I think so. Uh, how would you rate your experience with exercise? Beginner, intermediate, advanced? You know, and then you mumble something under your breath, right? And he says, then he says, Have you been exercising consistently in the past three months? Yes or no? Mm, no. What activities are you currently engaged in? Then that's where I just stare at him for a while and <laughs> hope he asks another question. How often do you take part in physical activity? Once or twice a week, two or three times, four or five, six or seven, or none of the above? <laughs> Most likely it's none of the above if I'm going to be truthful. Then he says, tell me three fitness-based goals you have. Sorry, Doc, i got no goals when it comes to fitness. I don't know if that's a great thing or not. But remember the question he asked me at the beginning was this. He said, how are you feeling? How you doing? You know, how healthy? How do you think you're, you think you're healthy? And I'm saying, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. But, you know, Doc, I was feeling pretty good when I came in, but I'm not feeling so great right now. So what the doctor makes us realize is that what we perceive to be good health may not be so good. And we're talking our spiritual health, and when we're talking about the health of the body in the church. Uh, today we are saying that part of ensuring our body is healthy, of course, and having strong bones is believing in the absolute, absolute authority of Scripture. So let's pretend for a moment that I'm the doctor and I'm gonna ask you some questions, all right? Very similar to what you just heard. So, have you been getting enough exercise in the scriptures lately? Now remember, I bet most of you said, when I asked you how, if you really believe in the authority of scripture, you probably said, yeah, sure, yeah, who wouldn't? But, have you been getting enough exercise in the scriptures lately? How would you rate your experience in the Scriptures? Beginning? Beginner? Intermediate? Advanced? Have you been reading the Scriptures consistently in the past three months? Yes or no? I feel like me now in the doctor's office. What activities that involve the Scriptures are you currently engaged in? How often do you take part in Scripture activity? Once or twice a week, three or four, five or six, seven, or none of the above. Tell me three scripture goals that you have. So you can see the doctor's simple questions reveal to us that although we may say we believe in the absolute authority of the scriptures, that we may not be quite as healthy as we think. It's like when you take this little survey It really challenges us, doesn't it? Um, And that's what we're going to be. I really pray that today that this is a challenge to all all of us. The word authority means uh, to have power or control or influence. So if we truly believe in the authority of scriptures, absolutely we do, then it's going to have power and influence in our lives but it's almost like a a vitamin, isn't it? It it doesn't do us any good if we don't take the vitamin. And that's the challenge and the encouragement at the same time. You ever sit in the doctor's office and you see those posters that, like, signs of illness posters that they have up there? I mean, you know, you got to do something in the hour wait, right, between the nurse and when the doctor actually gets there, so you read everything in there. And there's often posters in there that say things, you know, like, you know, Please tell your doctor if you are experiencing any of the following. So here's a poster for us today. Um, Please tell your doctor if you are experiencing any of the following. You are too busy to read the Bible. When you do read, it's only because you know you should. You are unsure of where the scriptures came from. You do not see how the scriptures can change anything. Or you lack a desire to serve God. If you're experiencing any of these symptoms at the bottom of the poster, it always says, tell your doctor immediately. So let's pray and let's tell the doc uh, some of these things. Lord, we thank you. The The word is here that we can learn and know and be empowered by it, Lord. And we're so grateful, but uh, we're just all of us today, Lord, are coming to you and asking for some forgiveness and that we probably don't spend the amount in it that we should it has so much for us it can tell us so much, teach us so much show us so much yet we uh, we don't allow it to have the authority that it should in our lives so Lord we come confessing today but we don't confess with no hope we know that you'll forgive us we know that if we're willing to uh, step in your direction and. And do some of the things in regards to your word, Lord, that um, you will um, use it in a mighty way for your kingdom, for your glory. So, Lord, help us today. Help us understand in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Second Timothy, if you want to cruise there. Uh, so, what does it mean really is what we're going to pick apart for the next few minutes. Uh, we're going to look at what does it really mean uh, to have have the scriptures have absolute authority in our lives so it means we trust in the source of scripture that's one of the things we'll go over another thing we're going to talk about is that we believe in the power of the scriptures and then finally we'll look at we can know we can be thoroughly equipped by the scriptures so second timothy 3 16 and 17 this is Are really our our structure for this morning or our main verse we're going to look at let's read it it says all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god or woman of god may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work so we trust in the source that is one of the key things that we need to keep our body healthy. We need to trust in the source. So it says in uh, 2 Timothy 3 there, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So what does that mean, that it's given by inspiration? All scripture is given by inspiration. Um, Some of the Bibles uh, translate that word inspiration as God-breathed or breathed out by God. I like that better uh, than my new King James has inspired. It almost sounds like I'm being inspired by something. Uh, It's true. We should be inspired by the scriptures, of course. But when it says all scriptures are inspired by God, what it's really meaning is that God has breathed them out. Well, I know that you know that Most of the Bible was written by either prophets or by apostles. Uh, They wrote them down, and that's somewhat of a confusion to us when we're thinking about that. Well, I thought men wrote the Bible down. Well, men actually penned it, right? But the Scriptures were breathed through the Holy Spirit by God. So God used the Holy Spirit to speak to these men, and they wrote down what God said. Does that make sense? So, Second Peter kind of helps us a little bit with this. Second uh, Peter uh, 1.20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. If we read these Two verses together, 2 Timothy and 2 Peter, we can see that the scriptures did not originate with man. In other words, man just didn't sit down one day and decide that, oh man, I'm going to write something cool, and hopefully it gets in the Bible. That's not what happened. God moved through the Holy Spirit, and he moved through holy men. And all that really means is separated men that God chose to Separated from, um, you know, kind of separated these men out for this purpose. And that's what it means. So don't get confused when the the age-old thing that I get confronted with a lot is when I challenge somebody about the Bible. It's always something to this effect. It says, well, men wrote the Bible. How can we trust it? And what we want to clarify today is that is not the case. Men penned it. They put it down on a piece of paper, but divinely, miraculously, through the Holy Spirit, they penned the words that God wanted them to, to write down. Um, it's, it's things that he revealed to them in a way that he wanted them written down. So Paul, in his letter to the church at Cornus, says this very thing. First Corinthians 2.13, uh, it says, things, These things we also speak. Not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So men inspired by God used words which were taught by them by the Holy Spirit. Now we know the Holy Spirit is the teacher, right? Us on this side of the cross trying to live out the truths of the Bible. We know that the Holy Spirit was, is our teacher. That's how we learn, in fact, if the, you do not have the Holy Spirit teaching you, if you are not yet a child of God, you will, have, you will struggle understanding what the Bible says because we're told that the Bible is actually taught, we learn from the Holy Spirit even today. Well, the Holy Spirit is the same one that God used to teach them what to write down, so it only makes sense, right? Um, So these writers did not give their own private interpretation of what they heard. In other words, they didn't hear something from the Spirit and then change it all up and say, this would sound better if I wrote it like this. That's not what happened. They actually wrote the words that God had told them through the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is given by God and does not come from man. That's why last week that we emphasized the importance of seeing God high and lifted up on his throne. Because if we don't see God that way, now when we look at the scriptures, then we kind of look at the scriptures as just a good book. That maybe we can get some good information out of that. Maybe it could help me certain times, other times, eh, not so much. That's why we looked at God high and lifted up last week, and I pray that continues in your life today. We know we can trust in the Bible and the truths it contains because God is high and lifted up and he is holy, holy, holy. Yep. for some of us, this can be hard to believe. So we take on um, beliefs like, well, maybe only part of the Bible is true. Um, I've heard that more than one occasion. Uh, they say, well, there are some true things in the Bible, but not all things in it are true. And then that gets a little confusing, doesn't it? When, if that happens. Well, if that's correct, if only some of the Bible is true, then God's a liar. Because we said all Scripture was given by God, right? By holy men through the Holy Spirit. So if all Scripture is true, then how can be some of it not be true? We call God a liar. In fact, in Hebrews 6.18, it says it's impossible for God to lie. So we know that from the scriptures. So if we're allowing that thought to come in our head and saying that, well, I believe some of the Bible, but some of it is just, you know, it's kind of old and antiquated and it's not really for us today. If we take that approach to our Bible, we're calling God a liar and we don't want to do that, right? Secondly, if all scripture is not from God, uh, just some, then which ones are? Which Tell me which ones are the true ones, which ones are not the true ones. That co- becomes very confusing. So we must believe that all Scripture, that's what the verses said, our, our theme verse for the day says, that all Scripture is true. If we're left trying to figure out these things, will, we're just going to be confused. We know who the author of confusion is, Right? So he's going, to be, he's going to be trying to get you to think that certain things aren't true. And just to be honest, usually, this is the way it is in my life, when I begin to start even getting a thought that things in the Bible may not be true, it's because I don't want to obey them, or I don't want them to be true. But that's what thing we can do, we can trust Scripture, so we know that it is true because it comes from Almighty God, and we need to do that. So, what does it mean by all Scripture? Because that uh, he says that all Scripture does—that mean, what does that mean? Scripture. This is going to blow your mind. Refers to the original writings of God. In other words, the original time that that author sat down, that holy man sat down, heard that from God, wrote it down. Original copy. That's what that means which we have none of. (laughs) We don't have any of the originals. But what they did when the originals were there, that's where we we hear things like scribes and Pharisees, right? The scribes, that was their job, was to basically be a Xerox machine. They basically took all the writings of the holy men of God and made multiple copies. And you know, you've heard about scrolls and, and different things like that. But that's what their job was. That's what the original writings were. Um, be, but because they were divine revelation the first time, they continue to be divine revelation as long as they were copied correctly, right? That makes sense to you guys. It's not, a, not like we copy of a copy. Of, remember playing the old telephone game? You know what that is? You sit in a circle, you tell some person, whisper in their ear something, and by the time it goes all the way around the, around the circle, it comes back, it's nothing like that. That's not what this is. This is scribes um, writing down the actual words of God copy after copy after copy. So the New Testament, the Law of Moses, the writing of the prophets, the Psalms, and the letters of Paul are all referred to as the scriptures. We know Jesus taught from the Old Testament scriptures. The New Testament hadn't been written yet, of course, at that time, but Jesus looked back To the Old Testament, many times when he taught. Remember, he came to fulfill the law, not to wipe it out, right? That was his job um, in regards to the law. So he says um, in Luke 24, he says, This is Jesus speaking. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets in the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend this, the scriptures. It's really cool. In our Thursday night study, we had a good talk about Jesus this week, and we were talking about how Jesus was there from before the beginning, and he, he was there at the creation, and then he came to earth in a human body, and then sacrificed for all mankind, uh, for, for the, the sacrifice of sin, for our sin, and then he ascended into heaven. He's going to be at the right hand of the Father as we speak. And then uh, one day he's coming back. And this book is really just a story about him. You can find him everywhere in it if you're looking for him. This, yeah, sure, it's about Moses. Yeah, it's about Joseph. Yeah, it's about Paul and Timothy and all the others. But all through the verses, all through the pages of this book, is Jesus? You can see him. He's not a, a, a person that just kind of showed up um, the day of his birth. He's been there from the very beginning and will be there at the very end. And that's what the scriptures are about. Jesus is saying the apostles' teachings, the acts of the apostles, the, uh, Paul's writings, both New and Old Testament are what we're talking about when we say scripture. We can't take the Old Testament and say, well, now that the new is here, I don't have to read the old. Uh, that's another lie right from the, from the devil. We look at the whole entire book as scripture. Quick word about translations. I could spend an entire couple hours on these. But people come to me constantly and talk about translations. Well, remember, if the original writings are there, and those are the ones that were the, 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 the words penned by God, we have to trust that God carried those original writings when they started being duplicated correctly. But then languages and cultures and all these other things started coming upon the earth and being uh, wide. And so we want to make sure we get the scriptures to each one of those, right? So now translations are needed. And so along the way, translations come into our presence. And just like all the different languages, all the different nuances of, of the languages and things of that nature, um, do enter some peculiar things sometimes. But as a whole, even some of the worst translations, to be honest with you, you can still get the message and you can still, get the, you can still comprehend the scriptures, even though some of them are done with wrong motives and you go really somebody writes a bible with the wrong motive or makes a copy or a version or a translation with the wrong motive yes they do Uh, the greatest selling book of all time is what the bible it sold more copies than any other book on the planet turn that into dollar signs and you get wrong motives But philosophies, all these differences can differ a little bit when they approach the translations. But here's the thing. You and I do not have to fret. We do not have to worry. There are several really good translations that are, other than a word or two, you might argue, amongst yourselves over, for the most part, we have God's word in our midst. Uh, You'll hear me reading from the New King James each week, not necessarily the best one it's just the one that I'd like but there are several others that are really solid translations that you can figure everything that God wants you to know out of those translations so I just really wanted to touch on that but as well to believe in the absolute authority of scripture we also have to believe in the power of the scriptures we have to believe that it has the ability to do something that it's not just something a good book that we're reading Hebrews Uh, Chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of of the heart. God's word is living and constantly living Every time we bring it, it has the ability to bring life into your soul. And I hope you understand that, and I hope you know that, and I hope you have experienced that. Um, You ever read the Bible uh, one time, and then you go back and read it, maybe a year later, a different spot of the Bible, and you go, when did that get in there? That's because it's alive, and it's powerful, and it has the ability to just really come into your soul. Uh, God's word is powerful, like I said, it has the ability to change your heart. It's like a sword, it can cut right on through everything. That's the illustration here, it's like a a warrior's sword. The word of God can cut through all the flesh and the bones and get right to your heart. And that's what the word of God will do. How many times have you been reading the, the word of God and you've been just busted and broken and just humbled by it? And that's what it means. It, it can cut right to your heart. But it also, in the very times of despair and sorrow, it can bring you hope and joy and, and just refresh your heart. And that's what it means that the Word of God can do that. It can pierce right to a person's soul. God's Word is a discerner of our thoughts. Ooh. The Word of God can discern my thoughts? yeah because when you read it, you wonder how does he know how did how did he know what i was thinking how did, how does that how does that happen it's just a it's just a book and it's just got words but how do they know how did how does this work well because the scriptures are alive and living they're not it's not like any other book this book is not a a, a, a bestseller in the sense that you just go get it out the rack and read it while you're on vacation. This is a book that'll change your life. This is a book that is alive and powerful and it can discern your heart. We do not judge God's word, but God's word judges us. That's what it means to discern. It, it'll it judge it. It'll tell us if we're right or wrong. We just have to fess up to say if we're, we're wrong in most cases, Right? Or it can validate when we are right, when we have followed with its teachings. Um, on more than one occasion, I've had people come to me and they say, Man, you are speaking right to me today, Pastor John. Nah, that wasn't me. <laughs> it, it was the Bible. All I did is communicated something out of it and the Lord spoke to you and he got your attention. I pray that's what the Word of God does to you. That, that's how powerful it is, and that's what it can do. I, so I hope that you believe that. Um, it's alive, it's powerful. Listen as the psalmist tells us of the, the Scripture's power. Psalm 19 is just a good, quick one I found that says a, a few things that the Word of God can do. It says the law, speaking of God's um, Scriptures, of oh, the Lord is perfect Um, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is a great reward. The scriptures are powerful. You can see just by the word itself, it has the ability to do all those things and so much more. So back to 2 Timothy for a moment. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and the section I want to look at next is that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's word is profitable for teaching us what is true. Uh, This day and age, the day we live in, almost Every day got to go to this thing to find out of what you're hearing is really true. Even um, so-called Bible teachers, you got to be careful these days. Uh, you want to know if what somebody says is true? What do you got to go to? You definitely can't go to the news. You can't go to the newspaper. You can't look at a books or magazine. We have to come to the Word of God. So it has the ability. It's profitable for teaching us. You want to know more about the character of God? You want to know who Jesus is? You want to know the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you like to know what God thinks about you? Would you like to know how to live a life that is pleasing and holy to God? Is Satan real? What does the future hold? The scriptures can teach us so much if we're willing to open it up. It's profitable for reproof. and That's a kind of an old King James word, but as we read the Bible, it speaks. Free- it speaks straight up. That's what I like calling It's kind of a street talk thing, but it speaks straight up, right? It, it tells the truth, but it also it says what it says. And we're left to discern. We're left to decide. The Bible's straightforward, so there's where the reproof uh, comes into our lives. Uh, it tells us when we are displeasing or pleasing to God. It's also profitable for dispro- uh, um, disproving lies and uh, the temptations of the devil. When we hear those things come into our, our ears, we think, oh, is that true? Is that the Lord? I don't know. Let's go check. So we get open our Bibles up, and we go looking, and we find out if that thing is true. It may be true. It may not be true. God will never tell us anything, especially through his spirit, that is not one with his spirit. They are one, right? God and his spirit and Jesus are one. Those of us that receive the spirit, we hear from that same spirit. The spirit's not going to tell you one thing and me another. It's going to tell us the same thing. So we can look. We can find that out. It's uh, able there to reprove us. It's also there to correct us. It not only points out what is wrong, but gives us a way we can do it right. Uh, Hebrews 12, 11, a familiar scripture, uh, says, Now chastening, or correction, seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God's correction is not there to produce pain, but sometimes, It's the results. It's no different than when our parents had corrected us maybe when we were younger. We didn't like it when they were correcting us. It sometimes involved pain. But at the same time, it was there to bring the fruit. It was there to bring peace. It's there to bring righteousness. That's what God's uh, word can do. It'll correct wrong thinking, wrong actions. All can be corrected... Through the Word of God. We just have to be willing to be trained by it. You notice there in the scripture it says that it'll bring fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In other words, willing to undergo training. So it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Upon putting our faith in Jesus, we enter into the kingdom of God, right? And then we become his children. So take the parent illustration again, and child illustration, that God only wants the best things for us. But sometimes he has to correct us when we go off the path. Some of us have lived that correction. Sometimes it's very painful. But how did we find that out? Right here. This is how we find it out. This is the absolute authority of Scripture is what we need to believe in. But like any child, we needed that, right? Right? We need, sometimes we need instruction. And we need to be willing to be trained by it. Uh, To believe in the absolute authority of Scripture means that we trust in the source of the Scriptures, but we also believe in the power of that Scripture. And lastly, as we look at, we know we can be thoroughly equipped by the the Scriptures as well. When you read the Bible, you have probably noticed that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. When you look at the Bible characters and their roles and what God has accomplished through them, when you, you get down and look at who they were, they're just people like you and me. Um, do you ever wish that God would do something cool like that to you? Like, he would use you, like worthy enough to be written in the Bible, to get your name in the Bible, that he would use you to do something for him and his kingdom? You ever pray that? I know I have. I want to be used by God. What? If I'm going to get used by somebody, I'm going to get used by God. I'm not going to be used by the world. I've had enough of that. Tired of that. Don't want no more of that. I'm tired of being the raggedy Andy. I. I want to be used by God. In fact, you ever get so excited, you just like want to charge hell with a squirt gun. You want to be ready for, you know, you, you're just right there. Come on, God, use me. Well, I wouldn't suggest charging hell with a score gun because it's probably not going to work. But it is great encouragement, isn't it? To be that excited, I suggest you don't try it because you need proper training before you you charge hell. Um, I had a pastor years ago tell me, he says that we have a a mighty enemy. And I I, I believe that. he, He was trying to get me to understand that you just don't go charging hell with a squirt gun basically. You know, you, you have a mighty enemy. But luckily he said we have an almighty God. All powerful, almighty God. So there's where we get our source. There's where we get our strength. There's where we get our power. However, you need to be equipped. God's word can do that. To be thoroughly equipped just means to be mature. That's all that really that, that phrase says. Is that we just need to be brought up in mature ways. So trusting God with our salvation is just that very first step at becoming a believer. Our next step is to be equipped for good works, for for him to use us. So when we read the scriptures on a regular basis, we can be equipped. Equipped to do uh, things like love those people that aren't so lovable. You wonder what a good work is? Read your Bible, you realize how much God loves you. Next thing you know, that has a power and that has an effect on your heart. It's pierced your heart. You're going to go over and love that person that isn't so easy to love. You're going to give mercy the same way God gives mercy. We'll forgive the same way that we read in the scriptures, especially those who have done us great harm. We learn how to forgive them. We learn how to be light in darkness. We learn how to live a holy life and on and on and on. But we need to be equipped. We wonder why we get beat up by the world. We wonder why we get beat up by the enemy. It's more than likely it's because we're not in this thing allowing it to equip us. So the scriptures are there to equip us. Ephesians 2.8, you, you know 2.8, but have you read on before in the past to like 9 and 10? It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here's 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are not saved by our works, but expected to work once we are saved. Does that make sense? Not saved by anything we can do, but once we get saved, God puts an army together, and he expects us to work out good deeds. So God has not saved us and left us there alone in the kingdom. And the kingdom, in many senses of the word, is really just kingdom. A king needs servants, right? And he doesn't have a kingdom until he gets his servants. So in a a sense, God is waiting for us to be equipped, in a sense... By his word. And that's what the authority, when we realize the authority of the scriptures that they have, and all the power that they can have, that they're alive, we can be equipped by them to do his works. Um, And remember, the Bible can be a head thing. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we can just memorize it, and, and it can be just like in our heads, and we know it, but it never makes itself come out in our lives. And so we have to, there is a little bit of a danger there of just getting in and learning and knowing there's a, a point where we have to be his workmen, that we actually have to go out and use and do what was in our heads. So God's work can thoroughly equip, uh, equip us for good works. And his purpose in doing them is that we'll walk in them, that we will live out what we have been equipped to do. So as we kind of conclude here and wrap it all up, in order for us to be a healthy body, we must be, um, believe in the absolute authority of Scripture. Being healthy means we trust the source of Scripture. The God of creation wants to speak to us, and he has preserved his word just for that. We have to believe that. The enemy's gonna wanna tell us that some of the, briefly how many things we just talked about, like the, some of it's true, some of it's not true. He's gonna wanna tell you that. He's gonna wanna tell you that, oh, the translations you got aren't any good. They have errors in them, they're messed up. You can't believe any of it. That's not what our heart needs to be. We need to trust that God is the source and he's preserved it for you and for me. It also means we believe in the power of Scripture and it's alive and sharp it has ability to cut through anything. It can make its way to our heart. It also means that we can know we can be thoroughly equipped. That's what we just talked about that. The more we read, the more confident we are, that we can be equipped. When you first are introduced to the Bible, it seems like everybody else knows so much more than me. True. <laughs> probably when you first get introduced, probably true. As you read, you'll realize that God wants to equip you. God wants to send you out. He wants to use you as a workman. We just have to allow him to train us up. So the question for the day is, are we absolutely sure in the authority of the scriptures? Absolute means not subject to any limitation. So what that means is I say absolute. Is there anything Bible can't fix is there anything. There's there's nothing that in this Bible that can't be fixed by the Bible. We can know all truth. God has made everything we need to know is in this. Isn't that comforting to know that you don't have to wander the planet aimlessly, not knowing what's going on and be confused? And, oh, it's just such a relief. So absolute time. We always do this each and every week. I want to give you time. And ask yourself that question. Does it really have authority in my life? Am I allowing it to steer and direct my life? Is that happening in my life? And if it's not, just ask God to fix it. Tell him you're sorry. Just confess it. Tell him to give you the make it true. In other words, that there is something that I can do, God, and that is believe. I can believe in Don't let that be a a thing that holds you back from living this life uh, full and free. Come and speak to me. Come and talk to me. We'll point you right to him. Uh, Short of that, um, if you see Jess and uh, Jessalyn and Caleb in the hallway, introduce yourself to them. Get to know them, especially you parents that have uh, kids grade 7 through 12. So as you leave, leave with God's blessing, I pray in Jesus' name.